Supergirl flies into Convergence. And we discuss Superman Unbound. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're going to talk about the animated movie Superman Unbound with our special guest, Michael Bailey. Michael is the co-host of From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. He's a staff writer and co-host of Radio KAL Live over at the Superman homepage. And he has a blog called The Fortress of Bailey-Tude. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, Michael. Hey, it's great to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Uh, but first up, as always, we have... The news. In Supergirl comic book news, uh, Convergence Supergirl Matrix Number 1 went on sale on April 15th. And the description from DCComics.com says, Starring heroes from Zero Hour. What do Supergirl, Lady Quark, and Ambushbug have in common? Well, nothing really, but that doesn't stop them from appearing in this story together. You are so welcome. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of a weird story. I I picked it up in my DC Comics app, and I I thought it was cool because the cover, Supergirl, the the Matrix Supergirl costume sort of looks like Melissa Benoist's costume. It has the same kind of belt, but I guess that's kind of a typical Supergirl look but uh, I thought that was interesting but the story is kind of strange I started to try to read that a little bit tonight and it uh seemed I don't I don't know if this is what it's going for but it seems like it's connected to Superman's death back during Mm. the the doomsday uh situation so I'm I'm interested in seeing how it ends well I just love how uh I just love when they acknowledge when they're being ridiculous like (laughs) you're welcome this makes zero sense (laughs) But it's out there if anybody wants to pick it up. Uh, the Matrix Supergirl, of course, is a very different take on Supergirl. It's uh, it's not the cousin from Krypton scenario. So it's a different take. But if you're interested in that, that's out this week. And even though news for CBS's Supergirl series is kind of quiet this week, uh, we do have some something related to the Superman family that we can discuss really quickly because tonight, actually, right before we started recording, I went to the IMAX screening of the new Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice teaser trailer. So <laughs> I thought I could fill you guys in on that if you would like to know. Um, Basically, it was really short. Um, I waited two hours in a line for something that lasted probably about five, six minutes. But that's okay because <laughs> they actually made it worth your time, which was really nice. They they gave, they gave us two posters. Uh, if you saw the posters that Zack Snyder tweeted out last night, it's a Superman and a Batman uh uh, posters. Everybody got two of those. Uh, well, a Superman and a Batman one. And we also got a uh, kind of a ticket voucher for actually going to see the movie next year so we had to turn our 
card in with our name and our email. And so then we get to, it's sat on the card that we get to see it a week early. So that's, that's oh, kind wow. of, it's kind of nice to go to something for free to get something for free again. Like <laughs> that's actually, that would have made it worth it for me. Like the two hours, uh, waiting in line for that. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually kind of nice in the fact that, uh, you, you got something for it, which is, which was good. And there was some bonus, a uh, couple of bonus shots that were not in the teaser trailer that got put online. It was really quick at the, at the end. It's actually uh, a couple of shots that show Superman and Batman literally charging at each other. Like both have their fists out, you know, ready to collide into each other, which that I, I have a lot of questions about that because Superman is running and he's not, like, in super speed or flying. He's, like, running like Henry Cavill is running as a person. <laughs> so huh. I, I thought that was interesting because I wondered if he's doing that so he's not full force trying, like, he's trying to avoid hurting Batman. So I don't know if that's mm. the intention, but that sort of looked like that uh, to me. And I was sort of worried about Batman because I was like, dude, you are about to get super punched in the face. I don't care <laughs> if you have armor on. I don't know that that's going to protect you. So I'm very curious as to how Batman is going to survive this fight. And another thing I should mention, uh, nerdy people like me who love uh, video compression and resolution and things like that, definitely go see this in IMAX if you get a shot, uh, shot to do that. Because uh, when we actually saw the teaser trailer in the theater, when it got to the shots, you know, at the end of the, if you've seen the teaser trailer, the, you know, tell me, do you bleed? You know, that part. Oh, yeah. That, that was in IMAX. So that, so it shows that the Superman-Batman fight is going to be in the IMAX uh, aspect ratio. So that's very exciting to me. And uh, there's one shot in particular that I came away with when I left the theater that I was like, wow, that looks so good. There's a shot where, uh, after Batman says, you know, tell me, do you bleed, or whatever. Um, I think that's the part in the trailer where it's like a close-up of Batman in the armored suit. It's just a shot of his face. That looks right. so good on the IMAX screen. I was very impressed with that. And the sound mixing was so good at the beginning with all the voices talking about Superman. Like, uh, it just, it went around the, you know, the sound went around the theater like it should, and it was so good. So I, uh, definitely recommend that if you want to go see that movie next year, definitely go check it out in IMAX because I think it will be worth all of our times. <laughs> one of the thing, one of my favorite things I saw this week was after they released the trailer for Batman v Superman, which, uh, as my partner mentioned, sounds kind of like a legal battle, like Batman yeah. v Superman, who gets to wear capes in this town. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, one of my favorite things that I saw was um, uh, this parody mashup of the trailer from you know from the time when Batman is on screen. Uh, mashed up with the Batman song from the Lego movie. And oh, it fits yeah. perfectly. It's amazing. It's like darkness, no parents, and it's hilarious. Yeah, so if you can the, find that on YouTube, check it out. Yeah, with the uh, Ben Affleck, uh, Bruce Wayne shot, I think is. Yes, yes. Yeah, I saw that too. It, just, pretty- it, it goes pretty much from, from his face on the screen to the end of the trailer, and it looks <laughs> hilarious and amazing. Yeah, it's definitely fitting. Uh, to have that song in there. So uh, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. I know some people have mixed feelings about it, but I, I think it's going to be really cool. And it looks really good, which is uh, something I hold in very high regard. If, if, it, if it looks good, I'm willing to give it a shot. So uh, I'm pretty pumped about that. Actually, so now we can uh, get into a movie that we all have seen. 
um, Superman Unbound, uh, which is one of the uh, DC animated offerings, starring Matt Bomer as Superman, uh, Stan Akotic as uh, Lois Lane, and John Noble from Fringe as Brainiac, and uh, Molly Quinn as Supergirl. So yeah, let's just get right into it. Because um, Supergirl was very, I thought, very interesting and very strange in this, uh, in this telling of it. There was a lot that I liked, and there was some stuff that I thought was a little bit weird. Um, but I want to start with our guest, uh, Michael. Um, let's talk a little bit about Supergirl first, since this was a very Supergirl-heavy film. Uh, what did you think about this version of her? Uh, I liked it a lot. It was very in keeping with the revamp of the time when this, uh, I mean, it's an adaptation of the Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, uh, story. So they, they kind of kept a lot of the same elements of Supergirl's personality and what she was kind of going through, uh, in terms right, this, of, this is from uh, Superman Brainiac, right? That, y- yes. Yeah. The, uh, the, which was kind of interesting because it was a story that was designed to kind of bring a, you know, one of the things of bringing the glory back to Superman because the books had been going through kind of a rough time around this period. So this was one of the big stories to kind of get things kicked uh, back into gear and actually led into a much larger story uh, called New Krypton. But the Supergirl in this movie... Uh, because when I was rewatching it, I, I, I was focusing on her because I was going to be on this show. I was really impressed on the second viewing of how important she was to the story and how much yeah. of a character arc she went on. I mean, mm-hmm. she went from, I'm just trying to fit into this world. There was the great line, you know, I'm older than you, you know, when she was arguing with Superman at the beginning because she was, she was going a little hardcore. I mean, she broke that dude's arm. Uh, you know, you know, when there was probably a better way to, to take care of the situation, though, to be fair, Superman chucked the guy, one of the guys into the, the water. So (laughs) he could swim. Yeah. He's all right. He's fine. (laughs) But to see her go from feeling angry because she doesn't know what her place in the world to feeling fearful because this boogeyman from her youth that took her family away has come back to overcoming that. And really being, you know, she had a lot to do in this story. Like she, you know, like a lot of the fighting, especially, she was in it just as much as Superman was. Mm-hmm. Like the only time he saved her, she was unconscious. <laughs> and that's the only reason he had to do that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like there's that great shot when they're fighting the robots because there's nothing better than Superman fighting robots. Right. <laughs> just putting that out there. Where... <laughs> Where suddenly her heat vision comes in from off screen and cuts one of them in half. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> I'm down with this. No, I love Supergirl in this story. I really did. Yeah. yeah, you were talking about her arc. And I, I really loved that her whole thing was at the beginning, she feels powerless because of what happened on, uh, on I guess, I guess with Candor, she feels because pa- she was powerless to stop that from happening. And so when that came, like you were saying, like the kind of the ghost from her past showed back up, she she felt that fear again. And so I, I liked her struggle between being powerless and then trying to, at the end, find her strength. I thought that was a good character art to take her through the whole movie. 
Yeah. And actually, I misspoke. I It wasn't Supergirl's portrayal that I thought was a bit off. It was a lot of other aspects of the story and the dialogue and stuff like that. As for Supergirl herself, I, I did think that she was really great and really well-balanced. Um, and I thought it was interesting that um, not only was she dealing with um, struggling with the powerlessness of having watched her, her home city be, you know, ha- watching it disappear and not being able to stop it. Um, dealing with these new powers that she's never had before, uh, trying to save people in this place and being told that it's too much. Um, but there's also the, you know, once Superman has to go on this mission to try to find out more about Brainiac's robots, and he says, you know, if I don't come back, you're going to have to take care of this place for me. And she gets scared of that. Like, she's like, what makes you think I'm ready for this? So she goes from being, you know, totally gung-ho about saving people to once she's has the possibility of being left on her own, she's suddenly like, wait a minute, no, I need you. Um, So I like that as well. Yeah, and I think she sort of struggles with that, but I think the hero in her kept going because we find out that she's been fighting human traffickers and mm-hmm. she gets caught on an amateur smartphone video, but uh, <laughs> she uh, she goes up against some Me- Mexican drug lords and uh, stops some genocide in Africa, and, and they talk about all the things that she's done in North Korea and that she goes on a, quote, one heroin rampage. Rampage. So mm-hmm. she she's trying to, as much and as well as she can, try to uh, fill in that gap where Superman is not there. Yeah. And also staying away from Metropolis so as not to draw anything right. toward them. Yeah, that's definitely um, noticed by the other characters, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I thought it, it was interesting, too, their their response and reactions to her. I mean, you have, like, you know, Superman's gone. You know, the criminals at the beginning and the opening are, are totally like, you know, while the cat's away, the mice are going to play. Yeah. And then, you know, Supergirl shows up and she starts kicking the crap out of them. And then, you know, they they have that line, you know, the skirt's the bad cop. Yeah. Um, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Um, but it's interesting, the city's relationship with Supergirl, too. Because um, they're, they're not quite sure how to deal with her because it was enough for them to deal with Superman. And they're like, OK, we're used to him. Uh, but who the heck are you? And what, what is your job in all of this? Yeah, they seemed not to really know who she was. Because there's this whole thing about Lois says something like, well, you know, if you'd read my column, you, you would know about right. her. So clearly Lois has been putting out the word through the Daily Planet who Supergirl is. But these 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 dum-dums trying to they kidnap her, they, don't, they don't read the paper. Maybe they can't read. I don't know. Maybe they're illiterate. I have to say, though, and this is totally, completely superficial, um, but it kind of bugged me in the animation part of it, the way her hair was always tucked behind her ears the mm-hmm. whole time. It kind of made her look like an elf. And I don't know what the deal was, what hairstyle they were trying to go for, but it kind of bugged me that like it was stuck behind her ear. They were sticking out. And no matter how she flies, no matter where she was going, her hair was always the same. <laughs> I was like, what, what, is, what are they trying to do there with that look? I don't know. I guess it's uh it's better than it being totally crazy. I know if I was flying around in the wind, I would be worried about my hair going all sorts of crazy places. <laughs> but so I guess for her that it it's beneficial to her to always have it stuck in one place. But I thought the costume uh was something of note because this is the first time I've ever seen her costume kind of look purplish. It kind of hmm. had a different color. So I I was wondering what you guys thought about her costume. Oh, I didn't notice that. Um, 
maybe I mean I watched it on Amazon. I don't know what you should on or how, but now I need to look up a picture and see <laughs> if I missed something. And I I was curious, Michael, um, it, what you thought about the animation because I noticed on the audio commentary they were talking about how they wanted to do it in the style of Gary Frank, but they just, <laughs> I guess, couldn't make it work. Did you read the comic and did you think there was uh, an advantage to Gary Frank's art over the animated movie? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I, I liked the animation and we're going to be talking about that a little later, but you know, it's just Gary Frank was always kind of a, a, a struggle with me when I was reading the titles, when he was drawing it, because some panels Superman would look like Superman. And then he was drawing like he had his Superman, the movie trading cards out. <laughs> yeah. And he was drawing Christopher Reeve. And I found that really creepy. Huh. Uh, I know there was a segment of fandom at the time that loved it. And said, oh, we're, you know, it's great. He makes it look like Christopher Reeve. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of weird. I, uh, I'm, I'm not quite down with that. So, and, and Frank had entered a, a period in, in this time where, uh, as opposed to when he was doing work in the 90s, where I really liked his style. Like everyone, especially the women, all looked like they were heroin addicts. Like they, mm. like, like they were just gaunt. And he doesn't really do well with children either. So, because their heads are always too big for their bodies, but hmm. so when I saw that the the animation didn't quite try to do what the others had done, I was like, "Oh, good. I want to see that animated." Yeah, hmm. yeah. I thought it was it was. Uh, I mean, I wasn't crazy about this uh, this style of animation because everybody looked really long, and I don't know if that's maybe a leftover from trying to do that style and failing. I don't know, but. Superman especially, his face just bothered me. Like, though it was, it has the, he had this weird head shape, and everybody just looked really narrow and long. Mm. I don't, I don't know why. But as far as the uh, the costume, uh, Supergirl's costume, um, I liked it except for the cape. It kind of bugged me how she, how it was doing like a cap sleeve thing over her shoulders. But other than that, I thought it looks fine. I mean, it looks very Supergirl except for that cape, which kind of looks like. I don't know, princess cape or something. Uh, yeah, I could I could see that because it does have uh, there's like a gold trim that goes around where her her sleeves are, so it does sort of give it a more regal look. So I can see wh- why you would sort of make the princess connection. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, I was curious about uh, what you all thought about the ending with Kara because she goes to she's reunited with her parents. Um, Michael, what did you take away f- from that? Uh, do you think she lived like a happily ever after in Candor with him? Uh, considering there there isn't another storyline directly after this, I could I could totally kind of see that because she seemed kind of unhappy on Earth, even though she was accepting her role as as a hero. You know, really, she was. I feel bad for the Supergirl because she was a. They actually dealt with what what it would be like for a teenager to be ripped away from her family. Mm-hmm. You know, at that age, and she was sent to Earth to take care of Superman, which is a another thing they kind of carried over from the other and the last animated movie we talked about. I could see her totally going back and living with her parents, not because she doesn't want to be a hero, but because that was the life she was supposed to lead anyways. Mm. So, but I could also very well her see, I could see her very well saying, you know. I love you guys. I'll come visit whenever I can, but I've got to stay here. But she was staying with the Kents because she thought her parents were dead. 
Right. Yeah. So I, I figure she would want to go back. I mean, it's not like Superman finding Jarrell and Laura at that, you know, as an adult, because obviously he has the choice at that point where he can just visit his parents like an adult would. But she's still, what would you say, about 16? Yeah. 15, 16 years old. And that's like on the cusp of being an adult. But still, after so many years of being trapped in, in like isolation and then coming out and finding out that everyone you knew was dead and the one person that you thought you were going to take care of is now older than you, I mean, I could totally see her going back to her parents. I, and I, actually, I think that's one of the things I like most about her and about the treatment of her character in this was that for the I think for the first time in all of the incarnations of her character we've seen uh, on this podcast, this was the first time that I really get a sense of Supergirl belonging on Krypton. Like it was the strongest kind of pull that I've ever felt uh, of that character because we kind of expect her to stay on Earth. We kind of expect her to to want to be a hero here. But. Why? You know, like, why would we ever have that expectation of somebody if, if somebody thought their home was gone and now they find their family again? Of course they want to go home. Like, <laughs> they were only here because they had to be. But if given the choice, like, she can be a hero anywhere. I mean, I, I believe that, you know, the character of Kara, she is a hero regardless um, just because of her personality. So, of course, she'd want to go back and see her family and, or be with her family and make up for that time she lost. I think that's a really good point about feeling like she really belonged to Krypton and, and to Kandor because we see the flashbacks of her actually on there. And I think that's part of the draw in that is that we actually get to see her in that element and see her with her parents and the other people there. So I, I would agree that that's, that's much stronger in this incarnation. I have to say, though, and I'm always interested by this. I think I've talked about this before as far as, you know, whenever we have a sci-fi thing where there's a planet and, um, like, Kandor is apparently the capital city of Krypton. Yes. Like, it's not like the capital city of a country. Like, it's not like, you know, it's not like Washington, D.C. is the capital of the world. <laughs> right. Um, so it's like Krypton is just one big country with one capital and they all wear these uniforms, which was really I, – I both think it's – kind of hilarious and also wish that they would, you know, kind of delve more into the culture a little bit. Pre-crisis Superman, you know, Krypton was this magical place. It was, it was like 50 sci-fi just on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) And there were, there were firefalls and there was a jewel mountain and there was a, there was a, I don't know quite how to feel about this. Apparently there was an island Segregated from everybody else, where all the black people lived. Oh, and, <laughs> oh my! Um, because cultural sensitivity in the '60s really didn't get along all that well. Sure. Uh, so, but you know the, the the idea though of the one world government that's very futuristic sci-fi, where yeah. they have evolved to the point where they're all one one country. And I think, and right. I could be wrong about this. I think there was only one continent, so it's not like you know, the earth where there's seven continents and, you know, vast oceans separating us. Right. Uh, plus with the tech, plus with the technology, you can probably get to and fro pretty uh, much faster than say on earth, you know, say on earth where, you know, <laughs> Rebecca knows this better than, uh, as well as I do, you know, you sit in, in traffic enough in the city, you, you really want teleportation. Yes. Like, <laughs> right then and there. Yes. So, um, 
but no, I, 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 I like that they kind of went old school with Krypton on this. I mean, I love the post-crisis John Byrne where everyone's in the robes and they got the funky headdress on Laura and all that. But there's something kind of cool about the Buck Rogers look as well. Mm. <laughs> and I, I also like the point that was made about how Kara, even though she was doing the heroic things on Earth, that maybe she fit more on Krypton or in Kandor. Uh, because I think you see that some in that scene where she's at the Kent farm and she's kind of baffled at the idea of eating pigs, of eating mm-hmm. bacon. And <laughs> yeah. she, she kind of seems bored, you know, just kind of sitting at the farm. And even though it's really nice that, you know, Ma Kent says, just know that you're special to us and you'll always have a home here whenever you need it. You know, that's a really sweet moment that they adopt her into the family. But I think you're right that she feels like she doesn't belong and, and she feels more connected to Kandor. So I think that's a, a good uh, contrast between the two places and the two families. Yeah. And it was interesting to see the difference that they could do that in this version, because in the comic book version, at the end of the storyline, one, Jonathan Kent dies. Right. Uh, and two, Superman lets Krypton grow at the North Pole. And suddenly there's 100,000 superpowered Kryptonians on Earth. <laughs> And her mother is not the nicest of people. So I, I kind of liked this version better because we didn't have to deal with New Krypton and what that story devolved into. Mm. So I, I was like, okay, I, I like this better where she, where, where Kandor is just kind of off and we don't have to think about the idea of humans fearing Kryptonians and Kryptonians wanting to take over and bringing General Zod back into it. So it's just, I was just, it's another reason why I liked this movie so much is it gave me the ending I really wanted where Jonathan Kent, you know, doesn't die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's just uh, falling asleep to the TV. <laughs> I loved that so <laughs> much. That was amazing. <laughs> it's like, it works for him. Um, actually, it's funny. That's, that's something I've been thinking about a lot, especially in light of the, um, you know, stories like this and also the the Batman versus uh, Superman trailer and all of that, just what it means to have a Superman mm-hmm. and to have a Supergirl, like how people would actually respond to that if that were to actually happen in real life. Like if all of a sudden there's a, you know, superpowered being comes to Earth, like how would people respond? Um, I don't know if we want to get into that at all since it's a Supergirl radio, but um, especially I was thinking about it while watching this movie, too, because, you know, Superman was Superman. And then all of a sudden Supergirl shows up and it's like partly competition, partly I want to take care of her, partly um, I'm not alone. But then also partly, you know, I had a special job here and now there's another one. So does that make Superman less special, that there's another Kryptonian? Does that, you know, if there were more, you know, what would that mean for for the job of Superman? That's a really good point because at the beginning of the movie, and I, I heard this on the commentary because I, I haven't read the, the comic version of this movie, but apparently the beginning scene where Lois is kidnapped by the, the dummies and uh, Supergirl ends up saving her, that was completely original to the movie mm-hmm. and they did it so that you would think it was Superman. And so when the reveal happens that, Oh, it's actually Supergirl who's doing the rescuing. That's, that's really cool to think that, yeah, they, they have the, the same abilities and they could do the same stuff, but they may go about it a different way. So I think there's 
something about how, yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if people would react the same to a Superman versus a Supergirl, but it, it's interesting that, that they can both sort of exist. And, and uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is they, you can't tell a difference. Uh, you know, it's not like Supergirl, I mean, Superman comes in there and kind of fixes the rescue that may have gone a little too hardcore, but she can do all the same things that he does, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the question is, how far do you want to go? Because to me, lazy writing to go to the, well, everyone would fear him. And, and, and how does that, you know, how does that work? Because I, I, I know this sounds naive. I think Superman's one of the few characters to get a pass because he's Superman. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and it was especially annoying in the New 52 that five years later, people were still like, well, is he a danger? It's like, well, you know, he spent five years saving you. Right. So like, how much think, time do you need? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's and, and how far do you go with how people would be threatened by a woman with the power with these powers? Right. Like, you know, especially, you know, with, with, with all of the debates going on and, and probably don't want to get too topical or whatever. But do you go down that road or that right. rabbit hole, <laughs> essentially, and and deal with that? Or do you kind of do what this movie did, which I thought was great, which was kind of have people like, yeah, I don't know. But at the end of the day, you know, like she saves us. So it's OK. So, but to be yeah. fair. Humanity doesn't really see most of the fight. You know, the most of the fight is is on Brainiac's ship, right? And 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 in a, in a swamp essentially. But Supergirl's there, saving the Earth from the rocket. So mm-hmm. I think at the end of that, it would be totally like she's a hero. Yeah. Well, it's funny because uh, the thing that I always think because yeah, there's the lazy writing of oh everybody would fear them, but I think kind of there would also be the other reaction of people wouldn't believe that that was happening or that they would care. You know, like, I feel like at a certain point, people might be bored with Superman. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> take, like, like not bored, but like take him for granted, you yeah, know? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. of course, of course he's there, whatever. Like, we, we, we stopped caring a year ago. Like, it was news then. <laughs> like, right. we, this is the internet age. Like, we don't, we have bigger things to, you know, I want to watch cat video. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but also the other thing that this uh, movie made me think about was, you know, because they talk a lot about the, you know, yellow sun versus the red sun. And, and she mentions feeling powerless because on uh, in Candor she didn't have powers. And just the and Superman loses his powers for a bit here when he's trapped in Candor. Right. And just the, the idea of, you know, uh, powers are not something that they always have or that they always had. Um, and do they even want them? Like they kind of have the the, the powers by circumstance because they're on this planet with this yellow sun and that's what happens but like given the choice would they keep them um because they're you know it's like if it's a choice between the powers or going home you know supergirl might choose going home you know if and uh people kind of assume that well of course you'd want to be powerful of course you'd want to be able to pick up a car and throw it around but i don't think everybody would yeah, and I like the scene of when Superman goes to Kandor and he is powerless, but he's hanging out with Kara's parents and just eating the Kryptonian food and talking, mm-hmm. talking about their family. So I think there probably would be part of them that would want that normalcy. So I think that's a really good point to make that 
Supergirl at the end of the movie, she makes this choice to go home. And I don't think, I think when she's reunited with her parents, the powers are the last thing on her mind. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of Supergirl's uh, relationships, um, I do want to talk about um, her relationship to Superman, her relationship to Lois, uh, her relationship to Jimmy Olsen, whom, you know, catches a glimpse of her and then kisses his special watch, <laughs> <laughs> thankful that he can call her at any time. <laughs> Uh, Michael, what did you think about uh, the way they developed the relationships between Supergirl and those characters? Well, as far as the Jimmy Olsen thing, I thought it was absolutely adorable when she shows up <laughs> all annoyed because she doesn't know what the sound is. Oh, yeah. Because she hasn't been told about the hypersonic watch. Uh, I thought I thought they played the relationship with Superman perfectly because one of the things when they brought Kara back in 2004 – is I, I, I think in an effort to make it different from what the previous relationship was like, they went in the complete opposite direction where she found him overbearing and didn't want to deal with him and wanted to act like a petulant teenager, which is a valid interpretation, just not one I wanted to read about. So here, you know, they really go through a growth, you know, arc through this, uh, which is a terrible way to say that, but I'm stumbling. <laughs> um, no, they go through a lot where at the beginning she's a little, you know, angry with him and a little resentful that she's stuck in this position, but then she's afraid and he's there for her. And then they, you know, like overcome their fears together and fight together. And he puts a lot of trust in her to say, go, go stop the missile. Yeah. You know, th yeah. that, that was just like, total trust in her ability to do the job. Her relationship with Lois was fantastic because when she shows up and we get, uh, we get, uh, Steve Lombard voiced by Diedrich Bader, yeah. uh, channeling his character from office space. Uh, <laughs> which is why I thought he was perfect for that role. Though I kept hearing Batman too. Yeah. It was really weird. Um, you know, when, when she shows up at the daily planet and, it's like she's just there looking for Clark, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, and when she's she, kind of peeking in the window. <laughs> but it really brought those two characters together where Lois steps in almost in like a sisterly role. Mm -hmm. Where it, it's not like, you know, because Clark's the older brother, she's kind of the older sister. So they have a different relationship. But I liked seeing their scenes together. Mm, yeah. I did love that that scene where where Lois is comforting her. Um, I thought that was great, and that and that she reassures her. You know, it's okay if you're 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 not. It's okay if you're vulnerable. It's okay if you cry. Um, and uh, letting her know that the powers don't make her immune from having feelings, and that they shouldn't. Yeah, I don't see much of the Lois Supergirl interactions much because uh, you know through. Lois and Clark, the the new adventures of Superman, you don't see Supergirl at all. And you saw a little bit of Supergirl and Lois on Smallville and, and uh, things like that. But you you don't, I, I can't remember a time where they were like interacting together, like in the DCAU other than this. So this was really kind of refreshing to me to see them together. And I thought it was nice that uh, Lois has to explain, like, I know who Clark is, you know, I know who Superman yeah. is. We can, we can talk freely. It's, it's okay. And um, I, I did like the, the fact that she was talking like 
she <laughs> she had this experience with Superman where she could talk freely with him and kind of hear what he was feeling. But I think maybe he was holding some things back from her in the past. Like he wouldn't tell her that he was scared when he maybe was. So I, I thought it was cool that uh, Supergirl is able to open up to Lois and Lois sort of likes someone o- opening up to her and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, explaining how she feels and what I thought was cool as a Lois Lane fan was in the audio commentary, they talk about how Lois in this movie is probably the strongest character in the film because she's the one who doesn't have any powers, but yet she's kind of helping the superpowered people become, you know, super in a way that they can embrace their strength and face their fears. So I really Mm. like that a lot. It's one of the best interpret. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. Go ahead. I was about to say, it's one of the best inter- adaptations of Lois I have ever seen. Because uh, usually they screw her up pretty badly in, 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 in other interpretations. And here we had the strong-willed Lois that wasn't like... She was. She rode that balance. And, and I'm sorry, I know some people complain about it, but when she kind of flips the bird to Brainiac... <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I love <che> that. <laughs> I actually cheered. I'm like, that is so Lois Lane. That that right there, this this very classy looking, you know, respectable reporter just flipping the bird <laughs> just because she's just that angry. Well, and the funny thing about that is Brainiac has no idea yeah. what that means. <laughs> like, yeah. He's confused about it. I love the look on his face. Like, is like, this what supposed is that? to mean something to yeah. me? <laughs> He'll access his files and figure it out later. Yeah. Um, but actually, I love uh, I love that. What I wasn't crazy about was the focus on, um, and I understand like you want to work up to Superman proposing or Clark Kent proposing to her, um, and all of that. But like just the whole, the, I found the the scenes with her and Clark at home to be a little tedious. Like, mm-hmm. well, I want to. What if I want to get married? What if I want to? <laughs> you know. Like have kids and do the whole thing, and now you're going away on a trip, and I'm a girlfriend, and I'm sad. Like I was like, I get it, and and that's those are all very like valid and very important feelings. I just didn't think they were like handled or written particularly well. Like there was a way to do that, not the way they did it in this movie. Yeah, um, it it felt like sort of a different movie, and it sort of felt like it took away. Even though I love the Lois and Clark relationship, oh yeah, I, I sort of felt like it took away from the. The main action. And, yeah. you know, I, I wanted to get back to the, the Brainiac side of things, but, you know, I, I guess they needed to have some sort of underlying reason for Superman to, to win. So, uh, yeah, I guess it had to be in there a little bit. Although I do kind of love um, the, <laughs> the discussion in the beginning of, uh, of why doesn't Clark Kent use being gay as a cover yeah. if he's that concerned about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like why, has, why has he not thought of this? Like, it's the perfect thing. We could not, you know, we could hide the fact that we're dating. Um, yeah, and I love that that was even a conversation that they had. It's right out of the era of Superman that I fell in love with in the comics. So mm. it was, for me... Personally, it was nice to see that dynamic put up more so than even in the Doomsday film where they were just dating and arguing about that, uh, where he wasn't even really telling her his secret identity in that movie. Here, she knows who he is, and they just haven't gotten to the point where he's dating her in public, which was weird, but I, I, I liked it. Yeah. And what I really loved about Lois in, in particular with like going back to Supergirl is that both interactions with Superman and Supergirl, 
even though she's, you know, I want to get married, blah, 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 and sort of being naggy about it, when stuff was going down and the world needed their help, she was Mm -hmm. like, go, go, you know, go do your thing, go your, go do your hero thing. And, and she even does that with Supergirl. So I I thought that was cool that it wasn't just a Lois and Superman thing. It was a Lois and Supergirl thing too. Mm, Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, she, she has her priorities straight. I mean, I'm not saying, (laughs) you know, it's just, yeah. I was just like, why are we stopping for this? Like, I don't know. Um, but now I do want to talk a little about Molly Quinn, um, who played Supergirl. Um, was this her first uh, DCAU uh, performance? I believe so. I think it's her only, first and only, maybe. Mm. I could be wrong about that, but I, I don't know of any other voice that she's done. And P.S. I love the the castle connection between you know her and Stanikotic, who played uh, Lois. But I thought she did a great job as well. Um, certainly very different from somebody like Nicole Tom. Both of them kind of, you definitely hear the youth in their voices, but I think more so with Molly Quinn. Like, I really felt like I was listening to a teenager. Um, what did you all think? I thought she was great. I, I, I was very impressed with the range of emotion uh, she was uh, able to show. Uh, she has done other voiceover work in this thing called the Winx Club on Nickelodeon. Oh yeah, I've heard about that. And she was on it. apparently she was also on Ben 10 Ultimate Alien as well. So uh but no I, I think she was it was really great to hear like legit voice for the character. Like, you know, you can't really do that in an ongoing series because the series goes on for years and the people grow up and all that. But for like this time capsule movie it was. It, I, I thought she delivered everything that needed to be delivered for the character. You heard the <laughs> vulnerability, but you also heard the strength. So she she was she was fantastic. I loved her. Yeah, I like to imagine that because sometimes when they record these animated stuff, they will have the actors all in a room together, uh, it, and I, I would like to think that Molly and and Stana were recording their their scenes together and I sort of like to picture uh, Be- Beckett and uh, and Alexis uh, hanging out together and doing that. So yeah, I really liked her her ability to convey the the fear and the vulnerability but also, you know, when she she gets a, a real good she punches Brainiac if I if I remember correctly. She gets a, a one really good punch in there and so she like like Michael like you said, she she gets to portray that strength as as well as those other emotions. Well, just to uh, to start wrapping up our conversation, um, let's just talk about our favorite thing about the movie. What is your your biggest takeaway from this film? Uh, it's it's my favorite uh, of the uh, the Superman animated films. It, it, it's absolutely my favorite because it represents oh. everything I want in Superman to see it. You know, like per- portrayed in in animation or live action. Also, they put the cape, the yellow S on the cape. Yep. Uh, which is so rare to see these days, even in the movies. So, well, I, 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 excuse me. I was just going to say it's it's very hard to do an animation because mm-hmm. you you have to put a little extra effort to get the the S to stay on that cape. So I, I can understand why they don't do it as much. But my biggest takeaway is that it was as much about Supergirl as it was Superman, and I thought both characters were given an arc to to go through. And I, li- I I appreciated that. I mean, it was it was it was almost perfect storytelling to a certain extent. 
Mm-hmm. And when when he popped the question at the end, I I, I, I was I was cheering. I mean, not, <laughs> not out loud, but in my head, I was like, I, I love seeing this. So I want to see more of this universe, this particular animated universe. I want to see more of it. So, but uh, no, I, I thought it was I thought it was a really good movie that took the source material as a jumping off point, but told almost a completely different story with it. Uh, and, and I appreciated that as well. I really liked that it showed that Supergirl had more relationships than just with Superman. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of the stories that we've discussed on the podcast so far is a lot of it's just been how she connects with Kal-El or Superman or whatever. And so I liked that she had a little moment with, moment with Jimmy. I liked that she had interactions with Ma Kent. And I liked her scene with Lois is one of my favorites from any of the DC animated stuff just because it's it's simple it's just two women on the the top of the daily planet roof just talking about <laughs> talking about their feelings um but i i really like that because it's it's simple and it's character driven and i uh you don't get to see that very much so that was one of my big takeaways from the movie was that there's there's more to supergirl than just her relationship with superman yeah Definitely. See, now I feel bad um, now that Michael said that this is his favorite animated DC movie. And I think before this podcast, I said something like, let's talk about this crappy movie now. Um, <laughs> so I apologize for, you know. No, no, everyone is. Or I, I, <laughs> that is your I opinion. Yeah, I don't expect everybody to like what I like. I mean, I, oh. I'll, I'll speak up for it, but I'm not going <laughs> to sit here. I mean, I know on the Internet I'm supposed to hate you now. Yeah, uh, and 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 put really inappropriate comments under your like you know Twitter and all that, <laughs> but I, I'm just not that guy. So yeah, no, and and you know, we, could, we could go and have a pretend fight later though; it'd be fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, but no, and and there were a lot of things I liked about it. Um, and one of the things that I loved the most was the ending where um, Supergirl kind of gets what Superman doesn't. He mm. she gets to be reunited with her family. Um, she gets to have the choice of whether or not she wants to stay here and be a hero or, you know, go back to, to Kandor and live with her family. And I thought it was interesting that, you know, uh, Clark Superman was, you know, kind of happy to see her have that because he never will. And that's, and that, you know, it was kind of heartbreaking. Like, you know, for all the whatever I can, as a writer, complain about, you know, dialogue and structure or whatever. But like that moment really got me where, you know, he's watching her and her family hug. And it's like, you know, well, at least one of us gets to to experience that. And that's something. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that was so sweet. So that was my biggest takeaway is that like Supergirl gets the choice. And if, uh, you know, uh, if Michael gets his wish and we ever see more of this universe, it would be cool to see, you know, what choice she made or how that was handled or what, you know, she's, kind of see- what she's doing now. What, yeah. <laughs> what's, what's, go, what's going on in Kara, uh, Kandor with Kara right now? Exactly. Like we get the VH1, where are they now special yeah. where, you know, <laughs> it's like Supergirl <laughs> 10 years <laughs> later. Well, I think that about wraps it up for our Superman Unbound movie conversation. Um Interesting and awesome uh, to talk with you both, as always. And now, Rebecca, why don't you fill us in on how people can get in touch with us? Sure. If you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. 
You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash supergirlradio and follow us on Twitter at supergirlradio. And if you want to check out our exclusive pictures over at Instagram, that's instagram.com slash supergirlradio. And we are also available on iTunes and on Stitcher. So please, if you have some time and you like what you're hearing, um, we definitely encourage you to give us a rating and uh, write a review. Um, I guess you can write a review if you don't like us too, whatever. We're not going to like be upset. But <laughs> but we especially want people who like us to write reviews. And uh, we are also part of the DC TV Podcast Network. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, and The Flash, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast Mega Feed and follow at DC TV Podcasts on Twitter and like DC TV Podcasts on Facebook. So, Michael, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, I have a blog called Fortress of Bailey-Tude where I talk about Superman. Uh, I'm also, as you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, a staff writer in, uh, at the Superman homepage where I write reviews. And I'm the co-host of Radio KAL Live 1030 every Monday night Eastern Standard Time at the Superman homepage. And I also co-host uh, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast, which talks about 20 years of, of Superman comics that now are no longer in continuity. But uh, we don't care. We really like talking about it. That's awesome. <laughs> Great. Um, well, you can find me. Uh, I'm an assistant editor at The Mary Sue. So that's themarysue.com. Um, you can find me at my personal blog, The Teresa Giacino Experience, uh, which is teresagiacino.wordpress.com. And uh, on Twitter at, uh, at Teresa Giacino and on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Teresa Giacino Experience. Um, yeah, just plug in my name to Google. You'll, you'll find stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. And watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash DuckMilkProd. D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And join us next week when we'll be discussing the Supergirl story, Supergirl Identity. Well, till then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. Before we go, we'll leave you with a word of warning. The skirt might be the bad cop. Bye.